So why don't we open up in our Bibles to Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2, and I'm going to read verse 5. I'm taking a break from the book of Colossians this week in order to do a topical sermon. One which I really feel I need to um, preach. uh, Because the pinchers are tightening. The Lord has unleashed the tyrants upon the land as part of his just judgment upon a rebellious, wicked people here in America and upon a church which is an utter whore here in America. So I want to address this, and the title of my sermon is Christian Resistance in This Dark Hour. Christian Resistance in This Dark Hour. And this is not a sermon about a Christian response as to whether or not a Christian should get the COVID vaccine, the COVID shot. If you want my thoughts on that, listen to my sermon, The Shot and the Tyranny of Man. YouTube censored that video, by the way, censored that sermon. But people put it at other places, including sermonaudio.com, where we archive our sermons. And um, last I looked, just from the platforms I could find, it had over 60,000 listens um, from people. Over the last few weeks, I have heard from so many whose jobs are threatened if they do not get the COVID shot. I have written, I don't know how many religious exemption letters. Jason has written, I don't know how many religious exemption letters. We've already heard from people who've already lost their jobs, people who are being threatened with lose their jobs. The pincher is tightening. I told you all from the very beginning A year ago this past March, three weeks into this thing, I told you where they're headed is, is to vaccinate the entire world and to bring in vaccine passports in order to have a complete totalitarianism over the lives of every individual on the planet. Three weeks into this whole thing, a year ago March, I said that, and people thought, yeah, whatever they thought about that. But look where we are today. Look where we are today. Let's stand for the reading of God's word. Revelation chapter 2, verse 5 declares, Remember therefore from where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. May God bless the reading of his word. Again, the title of my sermon is Christian Resistance in This Dark Hour, Repentance, Fighting, and Building. Let's pray. Lord, we thank and praise you for this time that we have to talk about this important matter of what's going on in our nation and around the world. And Lord, we know that your word speaks to all matters of life. And so, Lord, we want to talk about these things here today. I pray that you help me to set forth that which you've given me to declare, and that you use it for good in the hearts and minds of those gathered here. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. To be seated. So I just want to begin by kind of giving you the current situation. On March 29th of this year, the U.S. News and World Report and a host of other news agencies published a news story, the U.S. News and World Report, their title of the story was, quote, Biden Administration Working on Vaccine Passport Initiative, unquote. And the story begins, quote, the Biden Administration and and private companies are working to develop a standard for a vaccine passport that could be used as the country tries to reopen in the coming months. The effort has gained steam following President Biden's pledge that the nation will begin to return to normal this summer, and with a growing number of companies saying they will require proof of vaccination before reopening for business, the Washington Post reported. Notice it says the Biden administration and private companies are working together. Notice it says a growing number of companies are saying they will require proof of vaccination. 
They said that in March, and now it's all unfolding before your eyes. On August 3rd, 2021, New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio announced New York City will impose a vaccine passport scheme on indoor establishments, including restaurants, gyms, and all performances. New York City is the first major American city to impose such a policy. On August 11, just 11 days ago, the tyrant Governor Pritzker and the Illinois Department of Public Health announced they are now implementing vaccine passports statewide. And they are using the private sector to justify it and to get it done. They state at their website, at the Illinois Department of Public Health, they state at their website, quote, the IDPH is launching a new immunization portal, Vax Verify. As more businesses, events, organizations, and others require proof of vaccination, Illinois residents will be able to confirm using Vax Verify that they have been vaccinated. Notice how they are using the private sector. De Blasio in New York using the private sector, restaurants, gyms, performances. Illinois using the private sector also. Talking about businesses, events, and organizations. More and more of them are requiring proof of vaccination. They are using the private sector, brothers and sisters, to force you to get the shot. They are not going to force you to get the shot in the sense they're going to hold you down and plunge a needle into your arm. Rather, they will use the private sector to convince you to get the COVID shot, to come up with a thousand justifications and rationalizations why you should just get that shot. This is the state and businessmen working together to enslave us. Did you hear me? This is the state and businessmen working together to enslave us, to remove our liberties, liberties which men fought, bled, and died for us to possess, and with which we have no right to glibly give away. When you look at the prophets of Scripture... They often addressed both the businessmen and the government officials as they were often in cahoots with one another in order to accomplish evil in the land. That's exactly what's happening here. The nature of man does not change. That's one thing you can count on. And just as the prophets had to address this in their day, here we see it in ours. You will not work. You will not travel. You will not be able to shop. You will be a leper in the culture. And as we warned, all the masking and other nonsense was just prep for your compliance. And that's why we were hardcore against it. Understand the more you go along to get along so you can return to normal, the more you help them accomplish their tyranny, the more you aid and abet their evil. That's what you're doing. Now, some states are even trying to force all workers licensed or associated with the state to get forced vaccinated, all students at universities to be forced vaccinated. You can no longer work. You can no longer attend school. You're a leper. You're a second-class citizen. All the liberties men fought don't mean nothing to these tyrants while the churchmen aid and abet them from the vast majority of pulpits across America. Their bogus interpretation of Romans 13 and their feel-good Christianity that works when you're sucking off the sacrifice of men before you, but which is coming to an end now in our day. And rightly so, the just judgment of God is here. The tyrants have been unleashed. Those dopes are going to see that their form of Christianity was rank, Filth. Whoredom. Just last month, San Francisco became the first and largest U.S. city to mandate every city employee must get vaccinated. Other cities, states, and federal agencies are using them as an example and inspiration for implementing their own draconian vaccine passport schemes. Now the entire state of California is mandating that all healthcare workers, all teachers, and all state workers be vaccinated. 
heavily targeted right now in this nationwide effort to convince and coerce everyone to get vaccinated, are healthcare workers. Though I have heard from people from a plethora of jobs whose jobs have been threatened. And I know both healthcare workers and people in other fields who have already lost their jobs for taking a stand. For taking a stand. If you own a business, you must take a stand. You own a business, you don't comply. You take a stand so that people can rally around you when you take a stand against these tyrant dogs. If you're going to lose your job, you don't whine like a two-year-old, I might lose my job. I lost my first job at age 14. Grow up. So what if you lose your job? There's some things that are more important than your job. The military is also heavily targeted. They've already, like the health workers, been subjected to psychological and peer pressure to get the shot. And I can tell you, it, it would make your, well, I think it would make most people's blood boil if you knew the peer pressure and evil that has been placed against many healthcare workers and many in the military to go along and get that thing. They're saying now that by September 15th, all soldiers, all 1.3 million, must get it or they will be discharged. Quite frankly, the military continues to be weakened by this federal government, and they have been weakening our military for decades, for decades. When they ended Don't Ask, Don't Tell a decade ago, I remember that, that was a big move to push good men out of the military. Our military supports massive evil in the brainwashing and mental conditioning of soldiers. Someone not too long ago put up a comparison of an American soldier recruitment video and a Russian recruitment video. How many of you saw that? Virtually nobody? I will put that in the detail section of this sermon, a link to it, so you can see what our American government is doing to recruit people to their to their military, versus what the Russians are doing. I cannot show you that video, or I would. It is that filthy. And I will not subject the children who are gathered here to that filth. The American soldier video is about lesbians and sodomites joining the military, while the Russian video was designed to attract strong young men, males. I cannot play the videos because... It is that filthy. Understand this. Turkey defeated Armenia recently just through drones. The technology available to governments now is massive. Anything the Turkish government has, our government has far more. (laughs) Deadly devices in which to murder people without ever putting a soldier in harm's way. You could have some fat lesbian sitting at a desk in some room somewhere killing thousands of people without ever leaving the confines of her little room. They are removing the good men from our military, pushing them out. They are building their own private evil army of scum. Understand that. When you go in, there's a whole list of brainwashing that goes on from this government, from this military, I should say. The principled men will not get the shot and they'll be removed. Understand the government officials have been lying since this all began, and they continue to lie. It's like, you walk around, you see these people still believing all this stuff, right? Here's what I've learned. If you open your mouth and talk to people and say something like, look at that dope wearing a mask, or something like that, most people are like, oh my word, someone I can actually talk to, and they open up and they unleash All this pent-up stuff. Because they keep their mouth shut, and it's the worst thing you can do when evil's in the land and tyranny abounds, is to be silent. That's what they're banking on, is your silence and your compliance and being concerned about your ox being gored and you not looking reputable. It is true. It's disturbing to watch. It's a lie, and anybody with a small brain can understand that it's a lie. Anyone with a great large brain and a large IQ can see it's a lie. They've already released a report of what the masking has had on adverse effects for children already regarding their IQ going way down. 
You didn't need to be an expert to know that would be the result. If you understand God's created order and how things operate, a little bit about human physiology would have known it was a great disaster, a great evil. When I see parents walking around with their little kids, four, three, five years old, with their masks all on, I'm like, parents raise their kids the only way. It takes everything within me to keep my mouth shut. That is evil. That is, I, I just want to, are you stupid? Are you that dumb? Look what you're doing to your own children. All based on a lie. The media has been lying, the medical people have been lying, and the government officials have been lying all since the beginning. I read a news article two weeks ago. We were down in Florida at the time. They're all geared up to live the fiction down there, masks everywhere, only drive-thrus at the fast food places again. The end of the world's coming in Florida due to the new Delta variant. The article quotes health and medical professionals as well as government officials, and it was all designed to foment fear and hysteria. Once you have people fearful and have fomented hysteria, the government can assume powers for itself that people would never let them have otherwise. Fear is a tool used by governments down through the ages. And they have used it well in this situation, and they continue to foment it. In one of the paragraphs in this news article, and understand it's only one article and a C, in an onslaught of other news articles and stories, here is what it says, quote, Florida is ensnared in an alarming COVID-19 spike fueled by the highly contagious Delta variant, making many pockets of the state dangerous hotspots. Case numbers are soaring and hospitals are filling up with COVID-19 patients, including children, unquote. All designed to produce fear and hysteria amongst the uneducated, amongst people who never go beyond what the media has to say and do a little research of their own. So from this paragraph, how many children do you think are in the hospital in Florida right now because of COVID? It's got to be in the thousands, right? There are 21 million people in Florida. About 5 million are children. So you would think that with the fear in that paragraph I read to you that we're dealing with thousands of children at least, right? Well, here's what the very next sentence said after that. As of Sunday, at least 135 children were hospitalized with the coronavirus, unquote. That's 135 out of 5 million. That's 0.002%. Most all of whom will recover. Yet the news media, the government officials, and the health, the medical people, you got to love them, right? Are all promoting their lies, their hysteria, their fear, so they can take control of people's lives. The nation is burning itself to the ground so quickly in so many different ways and areas, we can't even document it all, let alone respond to it all at this time. It's an absolute impossibility. And remember Carl Zimmerman and his work, Family and Civilization, how when nations no longer want to have children and our nation has been going down for 150 plus years now, not wanting to have children. Last year it was 1.69 per couple. We had only replaced ourselves for the last six years. We're committing familial suicide. When a nation doesn't want to have children, it's the beginning of their destruction. It takes numerous generations for it to destroy itself. But he said when it's at its final thing, its final point, it collapses so rapidly, everyone is stunned by what they see. You are witnessing that. And you're not just witnessing the collapse of a country called America, you're witnessing the collapse of a civilization known as Western civilization. Understand that. That's how huge this is. So in the midst of all that, what do we do? What do we do? You can run around like a chicken with your head cut off, right? Trying to get up like this. 
you know, cover all the holes in the dike where the water's coming through. Let me tell you, that's been going on for decades already. We're long past that. The water's over the top of the dikes. There isn't just holes to cover up anymore. It's an onslaught. And it's because Christians abandoned the realm of civil government. And I'll have more to say about that in a minute. So what do we do? We must offer Christian resistance. Christian resistance involves and demands three things. Number one, repentance. Number two, fighting. And number three, building. And I don't mean they are that way in that particular order. All three happen intermixed and are ongoing. So let us briefly address each of these aspects of Christian resistance and start with repentance. Repentance. We are going nowhere without repentance. Repentance is paramount. It is one of the things God desires through his judgment is to see men repent. The level to which we repent, repentance is so important that the level to which we repent will determine the level to which God's kingdom is built in our lives. Ponder that. So what do we need to repent of? We need to repent of any sin that besets us. You have any sin in your life that besets you, you need to give that up. You need to repent before God and walk in holiness. Secondly, we need to repent of love for wealth and ease. Americans are drunk on wealth and ease. I'm happier (laughs) where we are now than where we were before all this started. Because before all this started, I had watched for decades a nation slowly destroying itself, a church becoming more filthy and whore-like. For decades I had watched it because they were all drunk on wealth and ease. We were slowly dying. Now that's the wealth and ease is coming to an end. And you haven't even begun to see how much it's coming to an end. We need to repent of our love for wealth and ease. We need to repent of inaction. I remember when the rescue movement started and we interposed at the doors of abortion clinics on behalf of our preborn neighbor. That whole movement was built on repentance. We must repent of our inaction. The inaction of Christians has been huge in my lifetime. Their indifference to civil government matters has been astounding. It would have been easier to have gone to the government meetings and the public hearings and spoken. You know, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. It would have been easier to have gone to the government meetings and the public hearings and spoken, but because we didn't, look where we are at now. We should have used the means in our system of government that were pillared by men who fought, bled, and died for us to possess but instead we squandered it in phony spirituality. And who do we have to blame for this? It's the churchmen. The churchmen, the pulpits. All my life, the vast majority of churchmen have belittled involvement in civil government matters as a quote-unquote distraction. They have mocked it as quote-unquote mere moralizing. Sound familiar? Some of the biggest preachers in America use those terms repeatedly for decades, and the little churchmen, oh yeah, they follow along with it. The vast majority, 95% of churchmen, think we should have nothing to do with civil government matters. It's a distraction. It's mere moralizing to have good law put in place. What we are now seeing is we are seeing the consequences of when Christian men abandon any area of life. In this situation, civil government matters. The area of civil government, we are seeing the consequences of Christian men having abandoned that realm. Wicked men have come in and filled the void, and they make their worldview law, policy, and court opinion. And as you can see, it's not good. The truth is, God's law and word speaks to all matters of life, including matters of civil government. Amen? 
and the pulpits have a duty to preach his law and word and gospel and make application to all areas of life as they speak to all areas of life. We must repent of our inaction, and we must call the men of this nation and the governments of men of this nation to repentance. And there's much more I could say about this, but I have to move on. Number two, fighting. We must fight. You must fight against the evil, not acquiesce to it, not attribute it to your latest prophecy charts, and view it as all inevitable. You must minister in a way that causes a counterinsurgency that holds off the evil forces and cripples their evil efforts while we're rebuilding Christian civilization in the midst of a collapsing civilization. You must confront the tyrants. You must confront the idols. You should take your children with you where you can to the field of battle. Let them get the smell of battle into their nostrils. Take them out on the streets, into the legislative halls, to visit with the sheriff on down the line. Women, you need to let your men fight. What I've seen all my life, men get a little fire in their heart, and the women folk tie them down. It's not all women. We had some great fighting women, <laughs> you know, who want to serve Christ faithfully. But by and large, that is overwhelmingly what I've observed in my lifetime. Man gets on fire, wants to do something, and his wife's pulling him back. Pulling him back. Wants him not to do it. You must fight men, and women let your men fight. John of Salisbury, who wrote the book Polycraticus in 1159 AD in Polycraticus, talks about these Greeks who were under assault and the Greek men fled from the field and there was their women folk who confronted them and said, get back out there and fight. Get back out there and fight or we'll, we'll show them our private parts. And it was the women who coerced their men into getting back out on the field and they won the battle. That's what good women do. That's what my wife has always done. The times I've been away from her for speaking, for being in jail, countless hours ministering to people. No. Every fight she's there, all the time, kicking Matt Chuella in the rear end. Get out there and fight! And I thank God for her, because I've seen so many men who have the exact opposite. I don't know how many times I've heard my wife say, the men better fill in the blank. The men need to fill in the blank. She understands the duty, the role, the function of a man. And that's a rare gift to have in the feminist hell we live in, in the weak male character we live in. For those of you who've been being threatened with losing your job unless you get the shot, for those of you who are told you cannot enter unless you provide proof of getting the shot, here is what Christian resistance looks like. You must be committed to personal noncompliance. Did you catch that? You must be committed to personal noncompliance. That's right. You're not at a rally. You're not on a street corner with 100 other people. You're by yourself. And you stand and you don't comply to any of it, anywhere. Extremely important. You must refuse their evil and stand resolute, not giving one inch to the tyrants and the evil. Stand your ground. I had a friend call me yesterday. His son is in the National Guard, has been for 19 years. One year, one year from being pensioned. And when he showed up for his little weekend deal, he had had enough. He was told to put his mask on, and he said, no, 
I'm not putting my mask on. Some of the other men kept their masks off also. Then when the big cheese showed up, the guy above them all, he was mad. Wear all your masks. Get your masks on. And all the other ones complied except his son. His son stood his ground. I will not put it on. It's a lie. And I've decided I'm no longer going to aid and abet a lie. I will not put it on my face. And now we'll see what happens. He stood his ground. When you go along to get along, you're aiding and abetting a great lie. You're aiding and abetting the tyrants and accomplishing their evil. Listen, as a good friend of mine said to me yesterday, you are selling tomorrow's freedom for today's convenience. Men always want to fight later when they need to fight now. How many of you ever heard of Braxton Bragg? Okay, one person. He was a big general in the Confederate Army. He was to the south, kind of like what McClellan was to the north. A guy always, you know, we got to prepare a little bit more before we can fight. At least Lincoln had enough sense to get rid of McClellan. Jefferson Davis didn't have enough sense to get rid of Braxton Bragg until numerous defeats because of his always wanting to wait rather than strike then. He finally got rid of him after Chattanooga. You read his life as a series of defeats, all because of him wanting to wait, always making a little better plan, waiting to see what the enemy will do next. Despicable. If Stonewall Jackson hadn't died, the South would have won Gettysburg. You know why? Because the guy who took Stonewall's place at four in the afternoon on the first day of the fighting in Gettysburg, he decided, you know, we've been at this for six hours, and we should just take a nap. So we'll quit pursuing the Federals who are on the run, and wow, let's just sit on our laurels for the night. Well, while he sat on his laurels for the night, the Federals got the good ground and dug in, ground he would have had if he would have continued the pursuit. Do you understand how important it is to fight? As much as I don't care for Patton, General Patton, one of the best things he ever said was, quote, a good plan violently executed now is better than a perfect plan executed next week. And he's right. You must be willing to lose your job. You need to realize this isn't a one-time deal. You, you got to understand, this isn't a one-time deal. You get the shot, that's what they're trying to tell, and all goes back to normal. No! Are you that dense? They told you two weeks it would go back to normal. It's been a year. Are you dense? Are you holding on to the phantom of hope? Get a clue! Grow up. Grow a pair if you're a male. It's time to fight. When you capitulate and get the vaccine to keep your precious little job, you are setting a precedent for the rest of your life to be told by government officials what you will and will not put into your body. And it's not just about you. You're setting the precedent. Our generation is setting the precedent for all future generations to be brought under that tyranny. And still the churchmen, have you watched them? Their despicable behavior? Peace, peace, when there is no peace. It's all okay, it's all good. Romans 13. Your cowardice and compliance ensures their enslavement, the enslavement of future generations. Think of that. When there's street protests on behalf of people who are being fired or a business who stays open and doesn't comply with the vaccine passport or any of the other nonsense, masking or anything, you should be there on the street railing. That's Christians. That's what Christians do. That's Christian resistance. 
workers must band together. One of my, couple of my son-in-laws work at a big corporation. I told him, you have to band people together. They have eight people who are committed. Anyone gets fired, all eight of them quit. They're hoping to get more. That's how Christian men, they don't sit in the corner and say, help me, Pastor Man, how do I get a job? How do I get a job? They don't justify it in their mind and, and act like a dope and say, well, Jesus wants me to provide for my family, so I have to go along to get along. That is baloney. Richard Wormbrand, when he stood for Christ, he had a good wife. He said, you know what will happen to me if I stand against what these totalitarians are saying. And she said, be a man and wipe the shame off Christ's face, Richard. And he went to the gulag for 13 years. You must stand. And notice the craftiness of these tyrants, too. Some people have already gotten their religious exemption. They work for big corporations. But within one week or two weeks after getting it, I've already heard from people. Guess what? They get a demerit. These people, you know, most corporations have like a demerit system. You get so many, you're fired. Worked for these companies for 10, 20, 30 years, never had a demerit in their entire life. Suddenly, since they went with not getting the vaccine, they get their first one. They know what the message is. And within six months, they'll be gone as the demerits add up. What are they doing? They're making the people decide, what do I do now? Do I quit my job and look for it somewhere else or allow them to work this process out and make me unhirable? Because that's what they do. They make you unhirable. You must stand against the evil that's going on in the country. A young man in the church contacted me last week, said a friend of his, you know, dad wanted to know if I could write an exemption letter. I wrote back and I said, is he committed? Is he committed? Not to get the shot. Um, He said, well, he seems like he's committed, but he's really concerned about how he'll provide for his family if... He doesn't take the shot. I wrote back and I said, yep, he's not committed. The young man later told me he already went and got the shot. He went and got the shot. He found that out just an hour or two after he had texted me about writing an exemption letter. Went and got it. How did I know that he wasn't committed I knew he wasn't committed because I know how people are who are committed. I'll put a bullet in your forehead before anything gets put in my body or my children's bodies by you. That's how men think. That's how men talk. That's when you know they're committed. In the midst of our situation, improvisation matters. Trust in Christ matters. If you want to give in to compromise, it's a fool's move. What I've learned is, if you compromise on something, your life becomes a series of compromises. If you stand on principle, you always see Christ. You always see him. You see his provision, you see his hand. Stand on principle, and you know you're in God's will. Once you compromise, you're wondering, am I in God's will? If you stand for what's right and stand on principle, whatever comes your way, you can be assured, even if it's persecution, suffering, a downgrade in money, whatever, you know you're in his will. Once you compromise, how can you be sure? And your life becomes a series of compromises. I've watched it all my life. And sadly, the vast majority of men compromise every single time. Always looking for a way out. Always want the easy street. Always want to be liked. Secondly, the interposition of the magistrates is a necessity and you must prod and demand them of it. You must unseat the cowardly. The legislative and executive branches need to quit hiding behind the skirt of the courts and do their duty, wield their authority, and check the evil being pushed. The county and local magistrates must interpose against lawless governors and state officials. 
The duty of the legislature is to remove the power they have given to these health tyrants. Did you notice there hasn't been one bill in the state of Wisconsin to do that? In fact, there hasn't been one bill in the whole country that I know of. I take that back. I think Georgia introduced a bill, but it didn't pass. To remove the power they've given to these health tyrants. This whole deal doesn't have anything to do with public health. It has everything to do with control. Understand we have a true federalism, multiple levels of government, multiple branches at each level. Any one branch begins to play the tyrant, or branches play the tyrant. Another branch, or branches, interpose and stop the evil of that branch. You must teach these things to your magistrates. It's called the doctrine of the lesser magistrate. Understand this, even though churchmen are suggesting or saying outright that you are bound by Romans 13 to get the shot, they are wrong. Understand the government officials have exceeded their biblical and constitutional limits when they demand you wear masks or get vaccinated. They have exceeded both their biblical and constitutional limits, and you in no way are duty-bound in the sight of Christ to go along with them at all. And any churchman who tries to teach you otherwise, nothing but a little petty whore, a traitor to our Lord. Understand also, D.C. is a waste. They are at war with the American people and have been for decades. We must rally with county and local government where possible state government. They possess lawful authority, and those lesser governments must ignore and resist Washington, D.C., and the regime that has illegitimately taken power there. You must also continue the efforts for the preborn in the midst of this attack upon our liberties by the tyrants. And again, there's so much more I can say about fighting. Let me get to building. I know I've been long-winded here. Building. When there is evil, when there is conflict, when there are bad situations, when there is a problem... You shouldn't be like, wowsy, wowsy, woo, woo. Isn't this terrible? I mean, there's a place for grief. You know, you see God's righteous judgment. About there's a legitimate place for grief, to be broken in heart, to throw yourself on the ground and cry out to him. But that isn't what I see from a lot of people. I see just a, oh, oh, oh. What am I going to? Here's what you have to do. When you see problems, when you see evil afoot, here's what you have to do. See it as an opportunity. It's opportunity. We have opportunity to build Christian thought into this nation right now, precisely because of what's going on. Christian thought can be built into it. Socialists and totalitarians love to create problems so they can then impose their solution As Christians, we are not like the socialists and totalitarians. We are motivated in honesty and love for our neighbor and for our Lord. We see an actual problem, and we want to try to fix or correct it in honesty. It is a demonstration of our love for our Lord and for our neighbor. And by the way, the socialists have been around forever. You know that? There's a red Psalm 7 to open up this morning in worship, you may recall. And it says in Psalm chapter 7, verse 14, Behold, the wicked brings forth iniquity. Yes, he conceives trouble and brings forth falsehood. That's the socialists. (laughs) Create a problem, impose the solution. We're not like that. We're Christian. We see an actual legitimate problem, and we want to fix the situation because we know our Lord speaks to all matters of life in his word. And we have solutions. Three areas that I see are medicine. Medicine. Christians were huge in medicine in early Christianity. That is a historical biblical fact. That's a historical fact. They viewed it as ministry. Those in medicine today, though there's still some who view it that way, the majority view it as a job, as a career as a money-making scheme. And it's unbelievably tied to the state, and that should tell you lots right there. We need medical alternatives to blossom. Some already exist. They need to be furthered. 
You must become engaged with these things to help see them happen. They don't happen by themselves. It's going to take many people decentralized across the nation who realize, here's, I've, I've talked to so many people, they never want to go into a hospital again as long as they live. They don't ever want to see a doctor again as long. They don't trust any of these people because they've seen what they are. It's extremely important that we build in the area of medical alternative for people. Second is education. So many people are fighting the school boards which want to continue to impose all this draconian nonsense about COVID. And they can't believe how their school boards behave. You know what they're finding out? They start with the masking, they start with the COVID nonsense, then they realize, my word, these people have imposed all kinds of filthy teaching on my children too. And they find out that most people are okay with that continuing to happen, and people are leaving the government school system. They are going to private schooling or homeschooling at this point. We need to help people in that process. That's massively important to do. Nor should we forget the children who are still in the government school situation. We should still go there and speak against it. While we work for the abolition of state education, the state should not be in the business of educating children. Period. And third, we need to build in the area of finances. And I could list about 20 things after this. Finances. They've got everyone like this because of their financial system. I don't live in that system. I've been out of it for decades. I don't get my kids' Social Security numbers. You know, I don't live in that system. You have no idea how much you're getting played in your head when they bring you into their system. And I don't expect everybody to do what I did. What I'm telling you is financial alternatives are going to happen. A black market is going to grow. They spent weeks on the streets in France and Italy against these vaccine passports by the hundreds of thousands, and they're still accomplishing them. So what's developing now? An alternative financial system so people can still eat, so they can still live, so they can still work. These are things that you have to think about, things you have to build. I could spend three weeks up here just going over America's financial system and how unbiblical it is. It's rank filth. Christian thought has been strung, wrung out of nearly all of it. And their goal is to end even paper money so it's all digitalized and to put you on a social credit system. You act right, you talk right, you're rewarded. They're already doing it. Did you notice it with the masking and now with the vaccinating? You don't talk right, you don't think right, you're a second-class citizen, you're over here. We're talking here about Christian resistance. Why? Because it's needed and necessary, and it's not only your butt that's at stake, it's millions of people who need to see Christians acting like Christians, pointed to our Lord Jesus Christ and his rule and great salvation. Amen. Again, I could go on forever. This model, repentance, fighting, building, is found in Nehemiah. It's found in Nehemiah. And of course, all this is undergirthed with prayer. I want to close with this. Do you actually think your government officials are going to protect you? Most Americans think a government that has created the status hell we live in, that murders the preborn, that perverts men with the filth of homosexuals, actually has their best interests at heart. You have to be an ignorant buffoon. And I know I've used some strong language in this sermon, and the only reason you would be offended by it is you don't understand the evil we are up against. Most Americans will believe their government still has their best interests at heart when the doors on the boxcars slam shut. I just see them inside there. Okay, this is 
this is interesting, but, you know, it's, yeah. I mean, they got our best interests at heart, you know? Why churchmen think government has their best interests at heart is because they've never confronted evil or tyrants in their lives. They live in their pathetic little cocoons and ivory towers most of their days. I tell my fellow churchmen we need to go out. Our congregants go out when they go to work every day, but we can be cut off. That's why it's more important for us to go out to the universities, to the streets, to the legislative halls. That's how we rub shoulders with the world and society. Understand? That's what I tell them. No. Matchwell is a great example of how not to be a churchman. The Lord is judging his people. A tougher form of Christianity is being birthed. A more biblical form of Christianity. A silver lining in the midst of this, and there are many silver linings in the midst of his judgment, is that churches who refuse to close and are standing against this evil are growing. And that is a fact across this nation. They have grown. It's been the biggest removal of people I've ever seen from their churches. Some went there eight years, 10 years, 20 years, and they could not believe that their pastors and elders went along with all this. Shut their churches. Some of them took the money. Living the fiction. I estimate it's 10 to 15%, still a small minority, but the biggest I've ever seen, ever, of people leaving their churches. It is part of the judgment on that form of Christianity. All my life I have watched Americans abuse their freedom and flaunt their rebellion against Christ, and look what it has led to, their enslavement. Both unbelievers and believers have abused and flaunted their freedom and their liberty. Unbelievers have done so through sexual sin. Really, they view liberty now, freedom now, as you're free and at liberty to imbibe on whatever sexual perversion you want to imbibe upon, and I'm free to imbibe upon whatever sexual perversion I want to imbibe. That's what they view freedom as. They've abused it. They love parting. They love wealth and ease. And when it comes to the believers... They've created theologies to justify their self-absorbed pursuit of wealth and ease. Their countless bunny shows, potlucks, softball teams, concerts, and all the other dopey stuff they come up with and make their priority. They've all abused it. And how just is God's judgment? For nearly 50 years, Americans and American Christians have sat by while the helpless preborn are murdered, while their bodies are attacked, and now the Lord is using the tyrants to attack our very bodies. We didn't defend their bodies, so now our bodies are being assaulted by the state. Let me close by addressing yet another grave matter tied to all this evil, an evil which the churchmen who are frauds and declare to their people, peace, peace, when there is no peace, love to sweep under the carpet with their bogus slogans and assuring little smiles. And it is this. The state is preparing quarantine camps. They intend to seize children. I had um, someone send me a thing, and I've heard this my whole life, how important it is that we not ever get pushed to where we physically fight against the evil that they're doing. Because they said they'll use a false flag and then use our supposed violent resistance to public health to shut us down. And you know our own federal government just declared all those of us who are opposed to all the COVID nonsense as domestic terrorists. Okay? If you think January 6th at the Capitol was men fighting for our freedom, you're a domestic terrorist also. Well, that's the government you have over you now, thanks to the churchmen who told you all how spiritual you were not to be distracted. 
For decades I've heard this. They're just trying to provoke us into a fight. So we got to be sure we never fight. I say to not act because of this is wrong. We may have to defend ourselves with arms, but this is why the lesser magistrates are so important. You join with established lawful authority in your stand against their evil. The idea that we cannot fight because they will use it as a pretense to attack and oppress us is ridiculous on two fronts. One, if we do not fight, they'll win anyway. Number two, if we do not fight, they will create a false flag anyway. Either way, they'll find pretense to attack and oppress us. That's what the governments of men do. Understand this will come to blows unless we and all of society decide to quietly go into 80 years of Soviet-style oppression, complete with gulags, this will come to blows. Get a clue. Francis Schaeffer, one of the most prolific, if not the most prolific evangelical writer of the last century, the 20th century, spoke of the use of arms 40 years ago. In his final work, his final published work, entitled A Christian Manifesto. And massive history has been written by churchmen and reformers and the reformers regarding Christian resistance when it comes to arms, the use of arms, that you should read and understand. Not just that area, all these areas I'm talking about. Here's a little of what Schaefer says in his title, The Use of Force. There does come a time when force, even physical force, is appropriate. The Christian is not to take the law into his own hands and become a law unto himself, but when all avenues to flight and protest have closed, force in the defensive posture is appropriate. This was the situation of the American Revolution. The colonists used force in defending themselves. Great Britain, because of its policy toward the colonies, was seen as a foreign power invading America. The colonists defended their homeland. He then says this later on. The colonists followed Rutherford's model in the American Revolution. They elected representatives from every state who, by way of the Declaration of Independence, protested the acts of Great Britain. Failing that, they defended themselves by force. The Declaration of Independence contains many elements of the Reformation thinking of Knox, John Knox, and Rutherford, Samuel Rutherford, talking about his work, Lex Rex, and should be carefully considered when discussing resistance. It speaks directly to the responsibility of citizens concerning oppressive civil government. And it includes the doctrine of the lesser magistrates, by the way. Schaefer goes on and says, the founding fathers, in the spirit of Lex Rex, cautioned in the Declaration of Independence that established governments should not be altered or abolished for, quote, light and transient causes, unquote, but when there is a, quote, long train of abuses and usurpations, unquote, designed to produce an oppressive authoritarian state, quote, it is the right, it is the duty to throw off such government, unquote. You got all this? He wrote this 40 years ago. He understood where we were headed. He was a man of scripture. He was a man of studied history. He knew where we were headed. That's why he wrote about this. It's like the final thing he ever wrote about was this. Christian resistance. He goes on and he says, simply put, the Declaration of Independence states that the people, if they find their basic rights are being systematically attacked by the state, yes, we see that, right? have a duty to try to change that government, and if they cannot do so, to abolish it. It's the duty of the people to do so. Numerous historians, he goes on to say, have noted the strong religious influence on the American Revolution. You got that? Numerous historians have noted the strong religious influence on the American Revolution. One such historian was Harvard professor Perry Miller. Professor Miller was a convinced atheist but he probably knew the primary sources of colonial history better than any one of his generation. He concluded in Nature's Nation, 
quote, Actually, European deism was an exotic plant in America which never struck roots in the soil. You know, like all the intellectuals today want you to think. Rationalism was never so widespread as liberal historians or those fascinated by Jefferson have imagined. The basic fact is that the revolution had been preached to the masses as a religious revival and had the astounding fortune to succeed. Unquote. The importance of the pulpits is what he's talking about. For the founding of this great nation is what he's talking about. And understand there were many awful pulpits at that time. You can read plenty of sermons from plenty of pulpits, perhaps the majority of pulpits, who told everyone to obey Britain, have nothing to do with that, and conform, because Romans 13 demands it of you. The tyranny they were encountering at that time, nothing compared to the tyranny we're encountering at this time. If you think speaking about armed resistance is over the top, it's only because you are ignorant of the evil that is afoot. After separating families in their little quarantine camps, and you can read all about it, Homeland Security just put out a thing about it last week. Already the... um, Republican governor of Tennessee has written an executive order setting up the quarantine camps. Many states already have these laws on their books to intern people, to seize children, to separate families. And I do believe I underestimated their evil and brutality. I think they will shoot us. I think they will kill us. The FDA is going to approve the COVID shots soon. Maybe even tomorrow. When that happens, Katie, bar the door. You better stand. Lady who is part of a church that watches our live streams, Jane LeBlanc, took her dad to be taken care of well over a year ago at a health care facility. And she ended up getting charged with disorderly conduct and fined because she refused to leave her dad and she refused to wear a mask. I've talked with her throughout this situation. They tried to offer her a deal. They tried to threaten to add other charges. Everything they could to get her to just say uncle. She refused to do so. And this last week when trial actually came, the district attorney dismissed the case. You stand for what is right, you stand for Christ, and you trust him for the outcome, whatever it may be. The United Nations put out their document calling for quarantine camps also. Even DeSantis, Governor DeSantis down in Florida, his latest bill, he seems to be the one proffered by the media as the great champion of our side. Even his bill requires quarantining and forced vaccination. Quarantining until they are forced vaccinated. Right in the bill. His bill. You can go along to get along, but if you do, Each step of the way, you're strengthening their tyranny. You're enabling their evil. You have to stop it immediately. You have to stop it immediately. That's why masking should have never been tolerated. And everyone should have stood against that. Revelation chapter 2, verse 5 says, Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, 
or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. May we repent and may we call our nation to repentance. Let's stand up and we'll pray. Father, we rejoice in you and we give thanks to you for your goodness to us. We thank you that you have redeemed us. Blessed be your holy name. And Lord, I just ask and pray that you guide each one. You use each one. We're all different. Different gifts. Different personalities. Different interests. But use each one to, in all those different ways to stand true to you to do right by you. Lord, may we take action to help those who are under the boot of the tyrants. May we stand strong and may we stand firm, oh God. May we stand firm for Christ. At those times we are alone and no one else is there. May we stand true to you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. May Christ be praised. We're going to take communion at this time.